Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. Stories are among our most potent tools. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Joe Crook. And I'm Matthew Janjeski. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today, our guest to share a bit of their Twin Cities history is Danny Bercheski. Yes, welcome, Danny. Hello. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> it's so great to have you here. Uh, you're such a Minnesota dance hero to me. Uh, I was fortunate to get to dance for and with you in my na- naive and humble beginnings <laughs> as a professional uh, for several years and in the second iteration of your company, Jazz Dance. Uh, could you tell me how you started coming to Minnesota from New York? What was the initial connection here? Um I was originally invited to do a collaboration, but Bonnie Brooks was the, you probably don't remember her. She was the head of Minnesota Dance Alliance, MDA. So she uh, wanted me to collaborate on a program with Zoe Seeley. Um, And it was also sponsored by the Walker Arts Center. Um, So the program was called Body and Soul, and it was done at the Ordway. And um, it was a collaboration with, with Zoe Seeley and the Minnesota Jazz Dance Company and the New York iteration of Jazz Dance. And it was uh, with J.D. Steele. Oh, my gosh. I know. What year, what 19, year was that? 1986. And it was called The Piece We Did with J.D. Steele. We were supposed to each uh, have one piece of our repertory and then collaborate on this. And the J.D. Steele piece was called Child's Play. I did Lost Life, and I don't remember what Zoe did. And Lost Life is the Art Pepper piece, yeah. correct? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And so Zoe had, it was Zoe's dance company that you collaborated then with for yeah, that? I don't remember what piece she did. <laughs> So there were three total artists involved in that. Yeah, correct. Oh my gosh. Oh, That's the work. Yeah. And 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 Danny like uh coming here um from New York, what were kind of your impressions about the Twin Cities, you know, both both kind of the city itself and also, you know, the dance scene uh if you will here at that time? Well, I don't know that I was really it was so early on and it was such a special kind of one-time-only thing. I don't know that I had a real, a real sense of the dance community there yet. I began to... So Linda Andrews from Xenon came to see this show, and she she loved what I did, and so she uh, wanted to know if I'd like to come and make some, some work on Xenon. So that's when I really um, started coming. To more regularly to the Twin Cities, and that's when I got more of a sense of what the, what the community was like. Yeah, I mean, I know that you know, I'm, uh, as a young dancer uh, here in Minneapolis, um, you know, I've been dancing here for the last ten years. Your name comes up a, a lot, you know, uh, obviously through kind of the work that you have um, set on Xenon and how that has been shared with the community. So it's. Mm-hmm. Um, like like Matthew said, it's excited to I'm excited to be here and to to get to kind of meet you digitally uh, here on the on the uh, on the podcast. So okay. uh, yeah, 
So you were you were setting work with Xenon right soon after that uh, Walker gig in '86. Yeah, um, after the the Minnesota MDA Walker Art Center. Did I tell you that the program was called Body and Soul? Okay. Okay, and then Linda Andrews came and saw the concert and invited me to come, and I did a piece called Tang Wadia, and that was in 1987 or 87. Wow, so pretty much soon after that, that soon. Walker. Story. Very soon after. And <clears throat> I did uh, Tang Wadia, and then I did a piece called Impending Bloom, which was to uh, Oregon, and then... This is when Xenon was not, was, uh, they were somewhere downtown uh, in a kind of, uh, oh, the studio was not the best. And, <laughs> this is, and Gary Peterson, though, was still the uh, managing director. And he did, this is like such ancient history. He did uh, those pull tabs to make money for Xenon. Oh, my gosh. Are you wow. kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's what he was. They raised money to, to, for the company by doing pull tabs. What in the wow. world? How can you do that in a, a studio setting? That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it ultimately came to an end, but it went on for quite a while. Huh. And I think I know where that space is. I think there's a sign that still hangs out from that building on, I want to say, third. Yeah, something somewhere down. Yeah, that's. Hmm. Yep. Crazy. Yep. Very. And so soon after, can you actually, can you give me a little bit of like little highlights of your time? Uh, Cause you were in New York. Like how did Bonnie Brooks even find your name or have that connection? Uh, well, Bonnie used to come to New York uh, on a regular basis to see work. And she, um, I think she came to a rehearsal of mine and thought it would be a good idea to um, give Zoe, I don't want to be negative or anything, I, to give Zoe another perspective on what you could possibly do with jazz and dancing. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and Danny, can you, um, just for our audience, you know, uh, give us a little bit of history of your dance, um, history in, in New York. Like what were the, what were you kind of involved in during that time, uh, when you were kind of coming back and forth between. Well, it all came out of my studying with a fantastic jazz teacher named Betsy Haug, H-A-U-G. Yeah. Yep. She she was pretty amazing and I had never. Yeah. You know, I was already dancing professionally, and when I walked into her class, I just said, "I, I want to be able to move like that." <laughs> so I used to. Yeah. I used to. Um, I started in the back of the class, and I worked my way forward, and I got really good at what she was teaching, and um, um, <clears throat> and she then she moved to different studios, and I followed her around, and uh, she. When she um, would go out of town to, she did a lot of nightclub nightclub work. When she would go out of town, she would ask me to sub for her. Wow! Yeah, and that was pretty amazing because you know, in New York, uh, uh, at a professional level, people don't want to do the same thing twice. <laughs> they want something new every every um, every class. So 
I just, and I really, really loved it. I would find a great piece of music. And hey, by the way, I want to tell you, this is when we were using LPs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, having to carry those with you everywhere. Yeah, I did. I, when I, uh, I went, I got invited to go to France to teach and I would have to carry those LPs in a bag. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Cool. And what so, style specifically was the the Haug style? Was it really her own, or was it morph a morphed a morphed? Is that a word? <laughs> she she was uh, Ron Lewis, who was a Vegas choreographer. She was his assistant, and uh, he comes from I don't know what. He's very unique. I don't know that I could make a link to Jack Cole or anything, but he. You know, she, it was just incredible. The thing that it was, I was looking for a jazz class that used jazz music, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not putting anything down, but everything I was seeing was just, everything was geared towards careers in the musical theater, which made perfect, made perfect sense. But mm-hmm. I wanted to, so when I saw her move and I saw the, and I heard the music she was using, I was just, this is it. I want to do this. And I got so good at it when, uh, you know, they, I asked my dancer friends, you know, you have a group, group of, of dancer friends that you uh, uh, go across the floor with. When, when I had, uh, I asked them if they'd be interested in doing a concert of my work. And they said, great, yes. Yeah. So they, we did the very first concert in 1979 hmm. at St. Clement's Church on Sun 46th Street. And it was, um, you know, the first time you do something like this, it's just thrilling because, you know, people show up uh, and, uh, you know, I self-produced my own, the concerts for, for quite a while. And um, so. Uh, was it about 10 years in New York that you were doing that? Yeah, about 10 years. Gosh, and I can't even imagine time frame of the complications of <laughs> being able to do that. Well, um, I was self-producing it, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I did the second concert at Larry Richards, Richardson's dance gallery, which is on 14th street, which is way north east. And, mm-hmm. and that was okay. And then I did the third concert back at, um, uh, St. Clement's Church, and I decided to make a go of it, and I sent out press releases, and I got a response from the New York Times. (laughs) I know, and so I was like, oh, my God, they're going to come. So Jennifer Dunning, who has always been a big fan of mine, very Mm. good of my work, she reviewed it, and I remember that we ran down to the Times early in the morning to get the first edition of that day, and the review was very positive. That's so great. What a what an amazing feeling to have that. Yeah, totally. Wow. Exciting. And and kind of I was I did a little re- more research on you, Danny, <laughs> uh, yeah. in thinking about this and I didn't realize that you were at the pillow teaching and and things like that so early on as well. Yeah, Jake Jacob's pillow? Jacob's yeah. pillow, right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think the first time I went to Jacob's Pillow, I was Lynn Simonson was the head of the jazz program, and uh, Liz Thompson. Do you remember? Do you know who that is? No, I don't. 
this time I don't either. was the, the, the director of the pillow at the time. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She just had her 80th birthday. Um, and I sent her, sent her a birthday email anyway. So she invited me to come and uh, be a guest, uh, the way that program worked was that the director of the program taught in the morning and then they had guests come in in the afternoon. And I came in in the afternoon to teach what I did. So. Amazing. Um, yeah. Amazing. So kind of bringing it back to, um, bringing it back to kind of Minneapolis, um, uh, and kind of uh, for me, uh, like a little le- learning a little bit of more kind of the origin of jazz dance um, and and how it kind of um, coalesced. And can you talk a little bit about the relationship between jazz dance and then Xenon and, and kind of those um, 80s, you know, early 90s years? Well, when I we did it, we merged the two companies. Uh, and. <clears throat> So uh, it was a bit controversial because, you know, Linda wanted me to come and just be the resident jazz choreographer, and I didn't want to give up um, all the things I had created and worked on in my in New York. So we decided that there would be um, co-artistic directors, and <clears throat> so that's and we got a big grant from the Northwest Area Foundation, and that's when they moved into the Hennepin Center. Okay. Yeah, and so you know, and when I would go as a guest choreographer, you know, I'd, I'd go for two weeks. But being there every day was a different story. And Linda and I yeah. had totally different um, management styles. So mm. ultimately, it all, it all fell apart. Yeah, I um, I would always imagine co artistic directing would be such a challenge. Like you would have to be started kind of on the same page. Yeah, in a way, in a way. So, so that was difficult, and uh, <clears throat> uh, I decided to break my contract and to leave early. And they just freaked out. They uh, <clears throat> told me that they owned all of my work, all of it, not just the things I made there, all the stuff that I made in New York. And I said, "There's no way." So I hired an attorney, Jerry Berg. You know, of course, he's on your board. Yeah. He was so kind to me. He and he had just come out. He was like the first big attorney to come out while still at a big law firm. So uh, he did it pro bono, and it was really like getting a divorce. I was in the room with Jerry, and Linda was in the room with her board members, and we worked it out. Oh, by the way, this is a side thing. So the very first time that Les and I went to meet with Jerry at his house. This is he made this phenomenal uh, stuffed focaccia, and I don't know if he still makes it. So, and I was I started making it, and it, it became a, an absolute sensation here. I made it constantly, stuffed focaccia with uh, sun-dried tomatoes, artichokes, oh, uh, olives, uh, cream cheese. So, just tell him that it that has lived on. Will do. Wow. Yeah. I, I I guess I need to get become closer friends with Jerry. He's never offered to make me any kind of uh, uh, meal, so I have it to work on that. So delicious, and I actually, when I in our last faculty meeting before I retired, 
I made one and then people went crazy for it. So <laughs> amazing. You've always been an amazing cook, Danny. I, I remember, um, I think it might've been the first year dancing for you that I, I got to come over for Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, wow. Is the first time I met Jerry, in fact, oh. as well. And I, you have always been an amazing cook. I love to cook. Yeah. So great. It's great. Um, yeah. So kind of getting back uh, into, you know, um, you know, dance and, and, um, obviously, you know, there was a, a separation there between, between Xenon and, and, uh, yourself. What are the kind of your thoughts about your, your legacy, um, you know, retrospectively, you know, over, over, over the years, um, anything like specific works that you really, um, are, feel really strong about or things that you, um, like give us some highlights. Well, I mean, I was, when I, while I was getting my divorce, quote unquote, from Xenon, I sort of reached out to the community to see if there was any possibility that they might support a, a, my restarting my company. And I talked to a woman named Cynthia Maeda. She was the head of the, um, what was called the Dayton Hudson Foundation at the time. Now it's Target. So, and she said, absolutely. And uh, so, um I just decided that there was enough support for me to give it a go. And I did. And that worked out great. So uh, let me see. Special highlights of projects. I yeah. Would, I would say uh, number one would be Swing Concerto, which was made in 1994. The second one was Ezekiel's Wheel in 1999. And then the third one, was uh, Get Happy, the Judy Garland project. Those three. Mm. Very nice yeah. highlights. I would, I would, I have memories of several of those. And is there, what was the piece that uh, the Kennedy Center oh, as well? Among These Cares. Oh, yes. Yeah. You were really happy like, by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do remember like thinking what an amazing honor for you and and to like just so proud of that yeah that's, uh, that your work was on that stage pretty amazing yeah that's yeah. exciting you were you were invited to perform at the at the kennedy center well we was i was commissioned to create a new work uh oh wow and this was the first new dance work that had been created since martha graham created uh appalachian spring <laughs> wow oh my gosh so it was pretty heavy yeah. Mm. <clears throat> I'm wondering, Danny, kind of going back a little bit, uh, in getting that support fresh out from your, your quote-unquote divorce um, from Xenon, was there much other jazz kind of dance happening here in the Twin Cities? Not that I knew. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, I, I really feel like it was like Danny Brzezinski's jazz dance and yeah. and maybe there were like smaller independent choreographers playing with that. Like jazz? Oh, I don't think so. No? Hmm. You know, um, I just, a couple of years ago, I was in, went and performed with, what's it called? Oh, oh is God. it Carla Browning's? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Work, uh, yeah. Carla was teaching at, she, I think she's still teaching at the U of M. 
Yeah, she is. Yep. So, but you know, that that was a program that Zoe Seely developed over many many years. Was that was that Lost Voices? Lost uh, Voices. Yes, correct. Yeah, I, I remember getting to see that uh, that performance. It was really great, and so many. Actually, I think it might even have spawned this idea many years ago of just like understanding the history of this town and. There were so many names within that concert alone. Yep. Well, very cool. Yep. I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, the amount of of work you you accomplished here in that time frame. Um, again, with Jacob's Pillow coming back uh, with the commissioning of the Jack Cole project, mm-hmm. and Jack Cole is really considered one of the founders of jazz. Is that, would that be accurate to say uh, that? Say American musical theater dance. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was interested in combining swing music with Bharatanatyam, which is classical Indian dance. Uh, um, you know, I guess that would be a, something to debate. <laughs> um one thing that i'm interested in a little bit zanny um kind of going going and thinking about like jazz dance and and what what you meant to the minneapolis community as far as not just not just minneapolis and the twin cities but really i mean all of the touring work that xenon did i mean i personally have seen ezekiel's wheel i think maybe four four times um and i think again a very um important uh, piece of of jazz history um taking that into consideration what do you think of the current situation of the dance uh, scene here in the twin cities well the community has completely imploded you know um xenon just closed its doors uh you know because funding was taken away which made no sense to me um mm-hmm. so uh but the thing is let me see. I don't know if this is answering your question. I was really never interested in being a teacher. I was mm. interested in being a choreographer. Right. And uh, when I came to uh, SMU in, in Dallas, well, it actually started when I was I was a um, an adjunct at the University of Minnesota, Marge Maddox. You remember Marge? Yes, love Marge. Yeah. Oh wait. <laughs> uh, so. I, um, I'm losing my train of thought. Yeah. So I was just a, an adjunct. So, but that was the first time that I actually had to do, uh, uh, to work with students on a semi-regular basis. Normally we would just do master classes on the, on the road. And that's not, that's a different thing. So, and then when I was invited to come to SMU, um, uh, I, at the time, the um, I could t- see the writing on the wall. The company was, uh, you know, kind of losing it. Uh, the touring had diminished, and uh, it felt like the right thing to do when I was asked to come to SMU. They asked me to come for a year as a visiting artist, and I asked the chair at the time, "Well, can this turn into a um, permanent position?" And she said, "Absolutely." So I decided to pick up and move 
Les and I both to to Dallas. And you know, it worked out great. I mean, I uh, the amount of teaching that I did uh, before I retired was just a lot. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of teaching, and yeah. uh, that allows you to really create a methodology for how you want to present jazz dance. And that's what I did. And what, what year was that around Danny that you ended up leaving Minneapolis? Oh yeah. 2005. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because I retired after teaching in SNU for 15 years. And I remember the community here being very, because <laughs> I have to say, you know, I, Danny, I feel like you helped so much uh, putting this Twin Cities dance scene on the map, honestly, uh, with the amount of touring you were doing, the teaching you were doing in many places. And there's just not that many. I mean, think there are now a little bit more, but that really was a newer thing back then, I feel, that time frame. You know, I, I think of you and even getting Xenon touring, I, I feel like was really a component of your expertise. And then, you know, Ragamala uh, dance, right? I feel we're the only two companies that were getting out there, out, out of Minnesota, you know, without the board touring and things. So I just... I really feel like we owe so much of a debt to you of, of even drawing people to this community and putting it on the map of like, Oh, Minneapolis, that's, they were really supportive of the arts. And, you know? Yeah. I used to tell my students all the time that when they were thinking of places to go, to look for work as a professional, the, that they would go to Xenon, but not anymore. It's just, I could never do that now. Yeah. It really is. It, it is such a shame that that Xenon uh, had to close yep. in that time frame. And yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely feel like the community is feeling it. And I feel like uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in a way of of get. Especially, you know, for me, I always loved Xenon for bringing in the you know up and coming kind of artists yeah, I'm sure from New York and you know like getting them to teach classes there and that expertise and I, I feel like it's so necessary now to keep that kind of mm-hmm. moving this the area forward um, well they lost all their funding the Jerome Foundation I think used to be the foundation that would um, support those uh, emerging choreographers and that's not it. That's mm-hmm. not there anymore either. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting how you know. I feel like that. That's part of this podcast as well is the understanding of where we've come from <laughs> uh, and what has happened within that time frame to kind of reignite that excitement and uh, energy into, into putting us on the map again, or you know, like. Like right. that we really yeah. have such vast dancers here um, and the ability, but like it, it is a little bit changing the minds, a little bit of the funders and, you yeah. know, dance itself getting hit a little bit with like the instant gratification of online entertainment. And, you know, it's, it's interesting for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I, I, you know, you just kind of, as we talk about that, that's one thing that I feel like as a young dancer in Minneapolis, I, you know, I grew up just outside the cities and I didn't really start dancing until I was older, but this disconnection that I have, you know, like I, I feel like there, like, I know Danny, like I knew your name, but like, I didn't have like a connection of, of where, what Xenon was and where it came from and, you know, all the history behind it. So, um, I think that's what I'm excited about in this podcast, because I think understanding our history helps us to kind of, uh, advance forward. You know, it, it allows us to learn, um, and to grow with an identity that feels substantial. So, yeah. um, so I'm super excited for that. Um, do you, uh, Danny, do you have any, like, m- you know, particular memory or, uh, something that, that you were kind of, um, affected by or impacted by in your, in your history as a dancer, either in the studio or in, in performance that you would like to share with us? Well, I had the most phenomenal, when I restarted the company, Kathy Young, she mm-hmm. came, she left Xenon as well and became my, uh, uh, assistant and an absolute phenomenal muse. Uh, and I was, she was able to, uh, when I auditioned for new dancers, this is when Matthew was grad, graduated from the U of M um, mm-hmm. and Joanne Horn Spencer as well. Um, and then I hired Judith James, who was uh, a competition dancer at the Larkin studios so mm. he was able to, t- and then there was Michael McGowan and um, I can't remember who else. Um, Carla and Annie Anakin. Oh yes. Yes. Carla, Annie Anakin. And, yeah. Cause Carla was in your company in New York. Is that? She was, but yeah. she, Linda would not have her. She didn't think she had the modern chops, which was very upsetting to me. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. So, Okay, where are we here? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, just oh, kind of talking particular about memory. Story. Well, yeah. I, the thing about Judith James, she came from a um, uh, competition studio, and she was very technically just phenomenal, but she had she wasn't very expressive. And over the years, it was so gratifying to see her become this multifaceted, emotional uh, performer. So that was phenomenal and and then the other thing i remember with joanne well we used to um rehearse in the hennepin center uh bonnie mathis and marcia chapman they ran ballet arts minnesota and that was an after school program so after we had the advanced ballet class in the morning we got to use the studio to rehearse and that was just fabulous um and uh the, another thing I remember is that, you know, Joanne was very, Joanne Horn Spencer was a very political. And I remember the afternoon where Paul Wellstone and his family were killed oh, in that crash. Yeah. And that was yeah. a very emotional time. So, I mean, she's still involved in politics, but she's, she works at Minnesota Public Radio now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's always been, had that had that connection. I do remember that day too. And I, I also remember loving uh, seeing everyone in ballet class before yeah. rehearsals. And it was just such a, such a unique experience yeah. for me because as a professional dancer, it was like we were dancing 
you know, nine thirty in the morning till three every day. And it was just such a, a luxury to have that. Mm. Um, and I, I think uh, continuing that support uh, within the community with the funding and, and individual contributions that you were able to achieve that and make that work is just phenomenal. Um, it was a very special relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, uh, in, um, in, in saying thanks to Bonnie and Marsha, I would set work on the, the young dancers there at, Valley Arts Minnesota. I actually set Swing Concerto, and Les did the lead, and uh, I created um, what else did I do? Something to Dvorak. Anyway, I made a couple works that were I I, I like them actually. So <laughs> that's good. And I think I also remember Danny that you in starting the company in '92 the second iteration of it, it was, you really, I was really amazed by us just creating with you for that, like a two year period before we even would perform anything. Is that accurate? Is that a true memory of mine? Two years, maybe not two years. (laughs) I was like two years. Wow. No, I think it was, I don't actually remember, but it was, Huh, maybe a year? Because there was a tour to Ohio that was like, I remember being, for me, my first tour. Um, with the uh, connection you have there, that relationship with... Jefferson James. Jefferson James, yeah. And the, it was the dance hall. So hot, I remember that. Oh, I remember. They used to start their performances late because in the summer it was so hot. Uh, they They... they they had to wait until things cooled off. <laughs> wow. Incredible. And then can you, you also chatted about uh, or mentioned the Judy Garland piece yeah. uh, that yeah. you had made. And I know that there's a story there that if you could share about seeing her in concert. Oh, I did. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was when I was um, uh, still at Bucknell, where I graduated from. A, uh, a friend of mine who lived down the hall invited me to come and visit. Uh, <clears throat> it was out. He he and his family lived outside of Boston, and then he got an appendicitis attack, and I was on my own, and I was like, "Oh my god, what am I gonna do?" So I went into Boston, and. Um, the Boston Common and Judy Garland was uh, going to be there in person to one of her very, very, very last live uh, concerts. And she was incredibly late, <laughs> which is typical, but nobody really cared. We just wanted to see her. And she was, when she showed up, she was just amazing, amazing, amazing. I was just like so thrilled to actually get to see her live so that was pretty amazing yeah and how did that inspire like i'm always interested in choreographers and like where inspiration comes from and how it when it comes into play as well like because it was many many years later then that you created the the judy garland piece Mm -hmm. Uh, like how did that where did that kind of 
originate for you again in that time frame? Um, well, I've always loved Judy Garland from when I saw her um, alive, and then all of, all of those incredible films that she she, she made. And so I decided to um, pick out the the uh, the music that I love the most and make Get Happy the Judy Garland Project. And um, it was the Southern Theater was one of my favorite places to perform. And, you know, because you, you made things that were very specific to that space. And uh, so um, I came up with the idea of each dancer in the in the piece would represent a different aspect of Judy Garland's life. And once they did, they would take a red handkerchief and they would tie it around their necks. And so as the piece went on, um, more and more people were responsible for different aspects of her, of her, of her life. And, um, I was very proud of that piece. Um, you know, it was conceptually, it was really simple and very complicated at the same time. And I'm, they just, they've been playing a lot of Judy Garland movies on TV now <laughs> and they just, yeah. they played, uh, what did they have on, um, where she sings the man that got away. Uh, oh, gosh. And I, I remember that section, um, starting the upstage right corner of the Southern and the simple walking pattern. And, um, yeah, so. It was a beautiful work. I I remember that. (laughs) I really was very proud of it. Yeah, definitely. I just stumbled again, Googling you (laughs) some more. Uh, I, I found pictures of that. Um, and it just, yeah, there was like that slow motion, yeah, it's a slow yeah. motion with Judy Garland's death. Wow. So I, that was that was from the Wizard of Oz because they'd just been playing it. You know, when they go into the field and the Wicked Witch um, makes the poppies have them fall asleep, and so uh, and then we we use this uh, spinning gobo to create the sense of snow waking everybody up. Except at the very end, one person does not wake up, and that's Judy Garland. That represented her death. So it's just all conceptually, I think it worked out really great. Well, Danny, I thank you so much. I, I hope uh, you have a great day, and I uh, I can't say thank you enough for just. Uh, I don't know if it ever crossed you how much you mean to me uh, in my humble beginnings of of learning what it is to be a professional dancer and uh, learning your style and getting to perform. It was really an honor. Um, and I, I hold it dear to my heart. So oh. thank you very much. Welcome. It was great having you in the company. And thank you for doing this. This our, our okay. series, brand new. Hopefully showing some history here. <laughs> okay. Very good. Next week, we'll be chatting with Aaron Thompson, dancer, choreographer, and major educator of a noticeable aesthetic here in the Twin Cities. We're very excited to have Aaron with us. Remember, Studio Stories can be found wherever you find your local podcasts. You can also find it on our website at arenadances.org. 